0: Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. To keep a movement going beyond the life of its founder takes a lot more than a charismatic leader. The Apostle Paul knew this, and he provided a great model that we follow even today. I'm calling episode 50, Keep It Going, Many family-owned businesses follow a predictable life cycle. The founder of the company begins with only an idea and lots of energy and passion. Over the years, the business is established and becomes profitable. Often the children of the founder are involved in those early days and can remember both the founding ideals and the sacrifices that were made to see the business take root and grow. Most of the time, the Founders' children take over the business and with their fresh energy, grow the business and take it to a level that the Founders could have only dreamed of. But the children of the second generation did not witness the struggles of the Founders. For their entire lifetime, the family business has been there generating a good income for the family. As they grow up, they take the business for granted. Many times, they don't want to work in it. Sometimes, if they do work in it, they don't work hard, because who's going to fire them? In either case, the business is at its most vulnerable, while it is still very profitable. To keep it going, some tough decisions need to be made. Typically, if none of the third generation have a passionate interest in taking the responsibility of running the company, outside managers are brought in, or the business is sold. Without a fresh infusion of new energy and passion, the business will eventually fail due to disinterest. But if the handoff is done well, the business can easily continue to do well for generations to come. This is similar to what the Apostle Paul is seeing as he writes this letter to the Colossians. He is a first-generation convert to Christianity. He had drive and determination to go along with passionate love for the churches he planted. And now there are churches being planted by other believers. Paul had not met the folks in Colossae in person, and he would like nothing better than to go himself to address the false teaching that was threatening to destroy the church. But there is one problem. He is in prison. He can't go. So here's how he keeps the church going and growing. I'm reading today from Colossians, the first chapter and the 24th verse, through the second chapter and the fifth verse. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. You know, Paul was an interesting character. When we read these letters that make up much of the New Testament, we imagine that he is an imposing character who is never uncertain and who takes over every room he enters with the power of his presence and the strength of his personality but that is apparently not the case at all yes he did have great knowledge and wisdom and yes he was unafraid to take on difficult and even risky projects but his gains for the cause of Christ and the respect that people had for him was not a product of his charisma or his personality in second corinthians Paul refers to some of his detractors who say that his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive, and his preaching amounts to nothing. And then in Acts, Paul is teaching one evening, and he went on so long that at about midnight, a young man who was seated in a third-story window went sound asleep and fell out of the window to his death. Now, Paul did go down and pray for him, and he was raised from the dead, but Paul went right back to teaching until daybreak. So in Paul, I see someone who possessed ordinary public skills, not that much different than those possessed by you and me. But what caused Paul to be so effective was that he fully committed his life to Christ, no matter what happened and wherever it took him. And as evidence of that commitment, we see that Paul took his calling personally, he lived it passionately. He respected it prayerfully, and as a result, Christ rewarded him powerfully. Let me break this down so we can see what enabled Paul to do these great things for the kingdom of God and know that it is available to every believer. First, Paul took his calling personally. Colossians one twenty four through twenty seven says, "Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I have become its servant, By the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul knew that he was called to live his life completing the sufferings of Jesus Christ. If you'll remember, at the time of his miraculous conversion, recorded in Acts chapter 9, Ananias was the believer who was called on by God to bring the news to Paul that he was to deliver the message of salvation in Jesus Christ to the Gentile world and that he would suffer greatly in the process. Paul knew that to suffer in the service of Christ is not a penalty. It is a privilege and an honor, for it is sharing in the work of Christ. Christ gave himself for the world through his suffering. And Paul took the reality of that good news to the world through his suffering. Paul took his calling personally because he knew that Jesus took his calling personally. And we can do no less in our own personal calling if the gospel is to continue to spread throughout the world and to the next generation. Now, good news Your calling will probably not require you to be beaten, shipwrecked, or imprisoned. But Jesus has a calling for every believer. Everyone is called to do something for the cause of Christ. Take it personally and do it wholeheartedly. Second, Paul lived his calling passionately. In verse 28 it says, He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul never did anything halfway. When he was opposing Jesus and trying to stamp out the fledgling church, he did it with everything he had. And when he converted, he gave all he had to the cause of Jesus Christ, and he traveled the world to build Christ's church. He endured beatings, hunger, shipwreck, and imprisonment because he believed so passionately. He never gave up. Because he could have backed out at any time. He could have recanted his testimony, and all of his suffering would have ended. But he knew that these young believers in the new church would have given up as well if they saw him give up. He knew they were looking to him. Now we can all hold a position as long as that position keeps us comfortable and keeps us surrounded by a tribe of like-minded folks. But when that position causes us pain, or if we have to stand alone for what we believe, we have to know that if what we are standing for is true. And Paul knew that what he was standing for is true and that his own discomfort was a small price to pay. What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about the cause of Christ? Or is your passion easily steered into causes that don't represent the message that Christ suffered and died for? Yes, live out your calling passionately, but make sure that your calling is drawing people to Jesus and not to some other personality or cause. Third, Paul respected his calling prayerfully. Colossians 2, one, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, Now, Paul had not had the opportunity to meet the churches in Colossae and Laodicea in person. They had been started by his friend Epaphras. Paul knew that the work was too big for him to do alone. He knew that he had to share the work with others. And he was concerned about a false teaching that was infiltrating the young fledgling churches. And he knew that if he could only go in person, if he could go himself, he could correct them and keep them on the right path. But he was in prison. He couldn't go. So he is contending for them in prayer. He wrote letters of instruction, correction, and encouragement. But above all, he prayed. You know, many times I'll hear someone say, after all of their efforts have been exhausted, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. They've got it backward. We should begin by praying. It is the best thing we can do. Then, in our prayers, we find out what Christ would have us to do as a part of what He is doing. Every situation, big or small, should begin with prayer. Until we have prayed diligently about a situation, we are just flailing about. We think we are doing something, but it is our prayers that accomplish the big things. Finally, Christ rewarded Paul powerfully. Paul didn't live long enough to see just how powerfully his prayers for the young church were answered. His life's work is still going strong today, centuries after he was martyred. The fact that we are still meeting and talking about Jesus is continuing evidence of Paul's reward. We are fruit that is still being produced by His calling. We still learn from His teaching. We still share the message of hope that He shared. We still carry the responsibility to make sure that the next generation receives the good news and carries it on. And God will reward our faithfulness. He watches and takes note of us loving God by loving those around us. Hebrews 6, verse 10 tells us, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. This life in Christ is the only thing in this world that is guaranteed equally to every person on earth. No one can have everything, but everyone can have this one thing. Let all of us who call ourselves Christians be people who take our calling personally, live our calling passionately, respect our calling prayerfully, so we can rest in the knowledge that Christ will reward us powerfully. If each of us will do this, we will become a collection of believers that is courageous in times of uncertainty and danger, knit together in love for one another, equipped with every kind of wisdom, and able to resist every false belief. Then we can know with absolute certainty that this message of the gospel will go on long after we're gone. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the I'm Still Learning podcast. If you find this podcast interesting, won't you please share it with a friend? Also, let me know what you think. Find me on Facebook or Instagram under my name, Randy Whitlow, or send an email to rbwhitlow at me.com. Until next week, I'm Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.